to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And joining us is a good friend of the pod, director, writer, producer, all sorts of things, award-winning director, writer, producer, Mark Myers. Uh, thanks for coming back on the pod, Mark. Thanks very much for having me. I listened to myself last time and I was like, oh my gosh, I speak so slowly. So this time I hope to have a bit more pep <laughs> to, my, to my speech. I, I not only because I think that every time I hear myself talk, I'm like talk twice as fast, not because I think you talk slow. That's why I was not. I noticed you looking at me nodding. Well, well one of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, because this episode is all about you can get it, yeah. is um, is just how fucking long winded Mark Myers is. You know, we. we <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's because, not laughing at that joke, man. No, I'm just smiling. <laughs> I, you know, I, but for our listeners, just to set this up before we mm-hmm. get into to, to everything, this is uh, the all you can get it episode. Uh, Kay Flay will be joining us in a little bit. She, she, she'll be coming on to sort of talk about her role in the song, her, her collaboration with the band. Uh, and this portion, we're just going to catch up with Mark and talk about the video because you obviously directed the, the video for You Can Get It. Uh, so that's what this episode's about. Let's get into it. Mark, uh, how do you respond to the allegations that you're long-winded? It's 100% <laughs> true. That's why I think last time I was like, oh, let me be more thoughtful and say less. But in doing so, it made me speak so much slower. So when hearing myself back, I was like, oh, my God, I speak so slowly. But hopefully it's thoughtful. But the problem is people can't see us. They're listening. So every gap is just that much more of a moat. Um, for, for our listeners, we... Uh, Arkell's camp knows Mark through you guys because uh, you all work together at Much Music. And then we recruited you years ago to direct a video where, for a song called Where You Co- Where You Going, which is off Michigan Left. And then we reunited. Was it for Knocking at the Door? Or what was the, the next video that we did Drake's together? Drake's Dad. Drake's Dad. And that was a co-production or co-direction from Mark and Shane. And you did So was Drake- Where You Going. And Where You Going. No, yeah, that was. Yeah. And uh, Knocking at the Door was as well. And then Shane, you fell off after that, right? Did you were you part of anything else? I know you've 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 consulted about well, other well ones, because but. where are you going had a comedic element to it, and Drake's dad was about our bachelor party, yeah. and then knocking at the door had nothing to do with anything I like to do. So I was like, <laughs> this Mark, this is hell. Like this is you like <laughs> you like directing music videos, but I can never do this again. And uh, yeah, you know, Mark's more than capable, probably more capable without me bothering him actually. No, I totally, I totally like, well, it's so much fun working with Shane, obviously. And uh, as you said, Max, Shane brought me into the equation because I wasn't, uh, if it weren't for Shane, we wouldn't have been working together, most likely. Um, but uh, yeah, after knocking at the door, Shane's on, on the next project, I was like, Shane, let's do this. I try to give him like <laughs> three, four ways to say yes to the project while still <laughs> letting him say no. And he's like, look, man, oh, I had a list of 10 things to, to dissuade you from uh, saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Shane's like, we won an award on the last one. I'm going out on a high note. <laughs> I don't like doing it anyway. There's all these other things I want to do. So, so he handed, handed the baton uh, solely to myself. And before we get into the making of this music video, one of my favorite subjects truly is listening uh, to Mike speak about the dream team that used to exist in your department over at Much Music. I mean, there's still a very good team now, but just the the friends that all got to work together and the three of you were part of that crew. And then Si Wong, who directed <laughs> the Years in the Making video, yeah, uh, he was a part of that. And I was Andy? like... 
and Anzi, of course, uh, who's been on yeah. the pod uh, as well before. So, do you want to just talk about um, about you know what that workplace looked like and wh- how Mark was involved, like what his his role was as an employee, as a colleague in that setting? Can you can you describe Mark as as a colleague? I guess I want to start there. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. We you know it's funny. We, a bunch of us kind of still we will get together for some like online poker during this pandemic, and this subject just came up like last week. Hey, eh, Mark, we were all talking about this on the Zoom, but yeah, I don't know. Like as an employee, I think what made everybody great, and you guys jump in, Shane and Mark, and speak to this, is that like everybody like was really like strong creatively, but had different sensibilities. So then it all worked together in like a really good way in a work sense. But then, and you get that in lots of workplaces, but then what made it unique was socially, we were all around the same age, uh, give or take a few years. And we just, we got along so well, like outside of work. So it's like, if you know, it's like you do the work, which was fun and you come up with weird, crazy stuff. But then it's like, if guys wanted to go for a drink after work, like you genuinely liked spending time with those people. And I think that's what made it sort of so special was sort of everyone's unique reference points and sort of, you know, um, interests intersecting with the idea that we actually just genuinely liked like spending time together. Shane, what do you recall first about Mark when you first uh, met him? Well, we first met in the hot tub, of course, but I won't get into that. Our, our first, our first work assignment was in the the, the cost was in Costa Rica. No, it was Cancun, obviously. Spring break in a hot tub. We met okay. years later. Uh, a year later, uh, we're working together, and it was we were such fast friends. Like if I worked a forty five hour work week, I was probably by Mark's side for fifty hours that week because we we would hang out the entire shift. Uh, like I, I'd be by his desk, like just chatting him up or him, he would be helping me with uh, one of my work projects because he's very technically uh, experienced and he has a lot of skills that I don't have. Or he'd be in my edit bay and we'd be chatting it up in my edit bay. And then we'd go for lunch together and then we would play basketball together. So we were like the best friends of all time at work. Mike, were you ever threatened by that? No, I, I actually, well, when, when they really solidified their friendship, I was gone. I left for two years with ah, the band, right? I was, nice. I was touring with bands like Arkells and stuff. So when I came back, they had really like molded. So like I knew Mark, I remember when Mark came on, he had won a temp contest. And I remember mm. he, in his temp contest video, he'd played guitar like naked on a stool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, we were like, we were, we were friends and we were close. But then, well, and then Shane and I knew each other from before, obviously, because like my, high school, my brother. So when I left much for two years, by the time I came back, Shane and Mark had really sort of like, they'd become super, super close. Okay, cool. And, um, you know, Ash, manager Ash and I like to talk about how Mark is the perfect human being. Um, mm. But I also love teasing Mark because he's so perfect. You know, he, he's so kind of put together and handsome and smart and talented and seemingly humble. Shane, you have talked about how, how Mark is sneakily not so humble how he actually has a bigger ego than you think. And this is all of a charade. Course. Mark is now sitting here like, how am I getting in? What did I get myself into? <laughs> Mark, by the way, hasn't spoken at all during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a weird positive roast with Myers here. Um, no, but it's, yeah, it's like that thing, like Mark, if you give Mark an inch of kindness, he'll give you a mile back. Oh, but if okay. if you try to cut him down and don't give him his due... He'll he'll put you in your place pretty quick. Oh. You know what I mean? Am I am I wrong, Mark? No, no, it's kind of accurate. I I I put myself down enough, so if somebody else does it, I don't like that. You know, like <laughs> I like to I like to over deliver, but so I have enough mistrust or distrust in my own abilities. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if if it's felt 
exter- uh, externally, then I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's I'll, it's I'll like if, if you can make fun of your brother or something, but if somebody else does it, it's like, hey, no, no, no. And you're like that with yourself. Um, okay, let's get to the video uh, because that's why we're having you on. We just put out a new song, You Can Get It. And Mark, uh, for our listeners, you you produced a behind-the-scenes making of uh, YouTube video, which is, I think, about like 15 or 16 minutes long. I feel like if you're a fan of Arkell's or Process or Mark's talents, uh, of which he has many, I think it is required viewing. Is it better than the music video itself? <laughs> <laughs> Mark? No, I, I uh, obviously not. I just like making stuff and any kind of documentation. Like I'm a journal writer, not really now, but when I was having a kid, I'm like wrote in a full journal. And then when I had my next kid, I'm writing a full journal. So um, I'm like a documentarian with or without a camera. So I like just collect inform- collect stuff. So the pub crawl, when we were making pub crawl, I was kind of documenting way more throughout the process, but it was a, a smaller window. With this one, I found like, oh, I didn't, I wish I kind of documented more. I had to ask Max. I'm like, hey, when, when we came over to Brainstorm, I think you took a picture. Can you send me that picture? You know, just to kind of fill out the behind the scenes. Do you, do you watch Shit's Creek at all, Mark? I haven't seen it, no. Oh. You remind me of the vet off Shit's Creek. Good or bad? Good way, good way. You're exactly <laughs> like him, but continue. Yeah, People listening will understand what I mean. But yeah, Mark, describe um, maybe what it was like from start to finish working on this particular video. Because again, it came together kind of quickly. And guys, hop in with any questions, thoughts. You guys are in the business. You know how these things Yeah, go. I'll try and keep it quick uh, so I don't go on like I normally will. Uh, so I'm, I'll compare it to the last video as well for pub crawl with for people that know. That one start to finish whole process was three weeks. So relatively speaking, this was like a six week process, give or take. So it felt like we had a bit more time, but it starts with a phone call. I get a call from Max and Ash is on the call and they're like, Hey, we've got this idea. They like, do you dread that phone call? Or are you, no, when, when you see my name come up, are you like, ah, no, I'm, these I'm guys obviously- going to rope me into some shit. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to take up the next, you know, three weeks of my life. They're not going to pay me. Like, you know, like, is, is this what happened? No. So it's, I, uh, I had a list of uh, sidebar. I had, I made us a, a list of like my creative things that I want to accomplish this year on that list was like, I want to make at least two music videos. I was lucky enough to make one last year. So I'm like, Oh, I want to make two this year minimum. So just even getting that call, I'm like, boom, I can, I can like at least start crossing off one thing off my list. Not one. Cause I want to make two. But uh, so to answer your question, I enjoy the, fo- the phone call. Um, I found that for this this video, because I was given so much time, I, I, I felt like I wasn't um, meeting your deadlines quick enough. Yeah, you're a little slow a little out of the slow. game. Like, Come on, get your shit together, yeah. man. It's because he was talking out loud his way through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, so 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 from what I understand, the concept, this is like, so the band brought the concept, right, Marky? Yeah, so they called and said, hey, Wheel of Fortune parody or spoof. And then really the question was, how do we do this? This is what we want to do. So um, in my YouTube video, if you watch it, I kind of go through this process as process as well but um sometimes i like to have my own i often like my my idea to be the idea that we move forward with because it's from a creative standpoint it's just that much more juice is 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 you know more concentrated so with this i was like okay this is their idea rather than let me not try and come up with a new thing they feel it already sounded like no they're all in on this concept 
So I'm like, cool, I'm going to stay all in and see where I can play within it. So the concept was Wheel of Fortune parody. How do we make it green screen? Do we shoot on an LED background? How do we accomplish this thing? And for context, we had spent like weeks just thinking about like, how the fuck do we make a music video when when the feature artist lives in another country and we can't travel anywhere? So like that in itself narrows the the possibilities for any treatment. So we were like, okay, this, you know, th- this idea might be able to work if we if we kind of lean into the green screen thing. And, and that's something that I didn't really cover in the in the making of clearly enough was just that hurdle of the featured artist is 3000 miles away. So, um, yeah. How do we, how do we do it? Mm -hmm. And I just have a question about Max's outfit, the outfit he's wearing, (laughs) not, not the overalls. I get that. He was kind of inspired by Dax Shepard or whatever, but when he transitions into that outfit, chance the rapper, chance the rapper Dax. Yes. Those, those people. Um, but when he transitions (laughs) into that outfit, it, it just seemed a little weird. Like what was up with that outfit? Like, and I saw in your behind the scenes that the pants were very expensive, but the pants I was focusing on how strange they were. Were you just influenced by the price tag or like, why would you go with those pants? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, one of my goals uh, for this year, you know, Mark wanted to direct a couple of music videos. One of my goals was to start wearing wider pants because I think okay. they're in now, you know, went through a long chapter of skinny black jeans. And I think the culture has moved on from that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start to wear wider pants. And then we went to the bay into the, like the fancy section. And there was a pair of pants that like, had a cool racing stripe down the side. I was like, that's kind of interesting. And then I was informed that they cost $1,100. And then I said, what is your return policy? <laughs> they said 30 days. And I said, I will take a pair. And then oh. we brought them right back. <laughs> Are you embarrassed buying those pants f- because you know that they know that you're going to bring them back? Or do you act like you're keeping them? Oh, I act like I'm keeping them for sure. But, but for sure. what's interesting is somebody right now, like a, an Arkell super fan, could go to the Bay, I'm guessing in downtown Toronto, and they might be able to find the Max Kerman worn pants from <laughs> the, the video. Pants. And then they auction them off. I don't you know, think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They, they hey, listen, look I okay. stand by the outfit. Okay. I, I think the outfit looks cool. Okay. Uh, I stand by it. Yeah. If not cool, very expensive. <laughs> yeah, that, it was funny because I tried to gently say my opinion on the outfit to max right before we were oh, shooting you did. I forgot. and i felt very bad after doing it because what did you say i forgot I was, that should be in the beat yeah it should have been i was saying uh this is now insider info I, I, I was talking to the stylist beforehand i'm like hey just want to give you a heads up <laughs> Caitlin, this is great hushed tones in a corner yeah. off the set it was before we were upstairs i'm like just so you know i'm not a hundred percent i'm like wardrobe and colors aren't usually my thing right so my my what i'm adding to it is very small but i'm like i'm not a hundred percent down with the outfit like oh, i knew it so i was see I was thinking of you the whole time watching it. Every detail, I'd be like, well, that, okay, Max had to have fought for that. like Because it didn't seem like a Myers choice. Well, it's a pick your battles. And again, like yeah. wardrobe, I ultimately want comfort as in not like in track pants, but it's like how, um, when do you look and feel the best? I want you to look and feel mm-hmm. the best given this, this what, whatever we're making. So I tend not to say a lot when it comes to wardrobe. Yeah. Um, I saw some photos were sent to me on a phone, you know, so I got to, a sneak peek at this wardrobe and, and I was like, well, you look most confident in that outfit, the one that he chose, but there was only the overalls. I thought it was an option between the overalls. Anyway, to the conversation with Caitlin, I was like, I was like, Hey, 
I'm not feeling these. Do your thing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if you want to plant a seed, try more options down there. Try like just see if there's any other options other than, other than what he's currently chosen. But I'm like, just so you know, I think they're like you can't use well, it doesn't look like a game show host because they're gonna say good. And you can't say like we we're really strategizing <laughs> how to like potentially have a you know what? different option for clothing. this needs to be like a podcast series of okay if, if something is pulled off successfully like whether it's a movie a television show music video and i think we pulled this music video off very successfully there needs to be a podcast series about private conversations that were had during the making of that you wouldn't say out loud at risk of like offending somebody <laughs> but then comes out afterward and nobody gives a shit because yeah. it like it worked out great yeah. but um because we were talking we talked to kayflay in this episode we've already banked that interview and we were talking about how she re did her vocal and ryan and i on the side were like oh i kind of liked her original vocal take better and that was just like a private conversation that we were having of course the song is fucking awesome and it was a comped version of her new vocal and her old vocal so it all worked out perfectly but it was just like i think that that is very funny just to think with like all those little side conversations that happen in the arts when there's you know dozens of people that are like invested in it and like what do you what do you think of max's fucking stuff <laughs> so, so that's what happened and then really? and then no. when you and ash came upstairs <laughs> and we were just going to send you downstairs to to dress i used that opportunity that's when i said to you i was like hey when it comes to clothing i'm like my opinion it, oh i do well, like my opinion is worth like two percent right it's not equal to yours opinion but i'm not a hundred percent down on the outfit and i could just see your face went like like kind of like what? And then I was like, okay, I'm not saying anything else about it. I was like, do you know how expensive these <laughs> yeah. are, Mark? Eleven hundred dollars. Mark, I want you to describe because obviously Mandrash is a big part of everything we do at the pod and with the band. What, what, what's uh, Mandrash like as an authoritarian producer? What do you say? <laughs> well, well, I guess you kind of put, paint, She's not painted an authoritarian me into the a, a corner. No, I, I. I like collaborating with Ash because I think creatively she brings so much to the table. And like, again, I, I try and go with the flow where possible and then put my foot down where necessary. And it's usually never necessary. But what I would say is Ash is there along the, the whole way and will add, add or take away creative things. So sometimes you feel like, Oh, I need more of this. And it's like, well, no, let's remove that. So uh working with Ash is great. And plus it's, there's all, so the wheel, for example, we, we made the wheel, the big, uh, we decided, okay, we're yeah, the prop, that. the wheel of fortune, the wheel prop, and it looked amazing. I didn't have a, a, a contact, but Ash, you don't have a wheel guy. I don't have a wheel guy. <laughs> Wheelie. Huh. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so like, luckily Ash's Rolodex is what it is. And, and it's like, okay, I got somebody that can make this. And that happened simul- like in, in parallel to what we were, what we were working on. Well, I had a question. You've now done, what is it, four Arkell's music videos? There's maybe maybe five. Wow. Okay. So out of the five guys in the group, who do you feel like you know the least? Um, the one that I know the least would probably be maybe Nick. Interesting. Mm. He's maybe mysterious. Nick. Nick's downstairs right now. Yeah. I'm hanging out with Nick right now. Yeah. It's, Nick's it's, my neighbor. Lives around the corner from me. It's kind of a mix. I'd say Nick and Tim, just because with Tony... Him and I know uh, another, my closest friend has like knows my friend Roddy Comer for very, in various bands. So, and then the connection, maybe just chatting with them, it seems pretty solid. Mike, I've worked with uh, like directly on creative for videos. 
And then both Nick and Tim, probably equally, we just kind of engage on the video shoot to the extent and the, the amount of time necessary and then disengage. Who do you wish you knew the least? <laughs> <laughs> so it was Max and... <laughs> That's great. All right, Mark, you got to go. But, uh, you know, thank you so much. We encourage everybody to check out the behind the scenes. Anything you want to... And the video itself, obviously, if you haven't seen it. Do you have anything else you want to say? Any parting wisdom? Um, I was just going to say if there's any other questions. So let me... Uh, I got one more. You- Okay, hit me. You do? Okay. I, I, yeah. I have one more question yeah. for you. So every project in video, there's one point where you're just like, fuck this. I, I hate no, this thing. This question. is a huge problem. <laughs> what was it for this project? This was so small, but it's the one that's coming out right in mind right now. I Maybe know. You know I, well, I told Max. I, I called know. Max and I. We, so we're well, calling we, we had a long chat about this. Yeah. So the... <laughs> I have very few requests, I feel like. It's like, okay, but I'm super particular to a fault. Like, I want to tweak, tweak, tweak and make something right. So here's a quick narrative of, of it. Mike designed the wheel. God bless Mike. He designed the wheel. Mike Mike D'Angelis, the Mike guitarist the, 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 the guitarist. So the wheel of Fortune Wheel for the video comprised of uh, money slots as well as like horns and and various like phrases that would get cut to throughout the video so in my mind i see the whole edit i'm like we're gonna land on this this phrase so i don't want to reveal the other phrases yet too early so it's important where it's placed on the wheel so i was like okay i want to remove that one oh and we asked that uh kayflay's name was designed in the free play based on wheel of fortune like same uh green panel same like, text. Same font and all that. Same font. Yeah. So, but it was designed a little big and a little too far down. So I was like, oh, you got to squish the K and move it up. That, so make that change and move one of the panels over so you don't, you know, don't reveal it too early. And Ash is like, look, I'll, de- I'll handle it. I'll talk to, to Mike. And then I see the final version and it wasn't changed. Mm. <laughs> I was like... I thought you were going to handle it. You handling it, you just didn't do it. <laughs> so that was one of the things where I'm like, I'm like, oh, that kind of bothers me. But what's so great is that in the end, it mattered a big fat zero. You know, like it didn't matter at all. Ash ultimately. Well, made speak the right for yourself, call. Myers. I noticed that you know, <laughs> yeah. as a viewer, that became annoying. Yeah. Okay, and, and I would and I would like to, to, to jump in here is be, we were up against so many fucking deadlines, and this is the thing what makes Ash so good at her job is that she juggles everybody's priorities. So she's she's jugg- and everybody's schedule too, right? So it's like obviously we're talking to Mark directly, we're talking to the printmakers directly, we're talking to Mike who's doing nineteen different things, like, and we're talking to the the wheel maker. There's so many things that need to be constantly juggled. And your request on its surface was a very simple request. But in the grand scheme of things, it was just like, no, we just can't do it. Like it is and is not important enough to like throw the whole system out of whack. Just do it. But I but but Shane, you brought it up perfectly, which is like, what's that point in the video where we're like, fuck this, what does anything mean? Because everybody gets like existential, especially in a project that's like a passion project where you're like, what does anything mean? Why am I doing this? Why do I care so much? I should just quit. This is fucking stupid. This is an easy request. And of course, and you're in that mode. And I, I just remember having the conversation with with you, Mark, on the phone where I, and it was, it was kind of nice because you're such uh, a voice of reason 99% of the time. And you're so 
easygoing, and I love working with you so 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 much. I smell because a butt. of your te- uh, no, because of your temperament. However, <laughs> however, this is <this> one. <laughs> you are so laser focused on this one fucking detail. I'm like Mark. I, I hear you. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> but. It's what it well, is. Yeah. It, we're moving. We're moving yeah, on. Max, Max we are is, moving on. Yeah. So it, that's when because I'm putting so much care into all these small things. Yeah. So I'm like, this request is so small that if this request can't be done, then what the yeah. f are all these other requests that are equally as mm-hmm. small and bullshit, but they all add up to a bigger piece of the puzzle. Right? That's the M and M's theory. Why like big bands would request that certain M and M's be removed. Because if that simple task couldn't be done in the dressing room, it was an indicator that other things weren't carried out properly. But that, that, that analogy doesn't process. work for this, by the okay. way, Shane. Yeah, no. Touché. Well, Touché. So I, I think I admitted to Max while I was on the phone venting to him. I'm like, I know I'm just venting. This isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So no, like, you're very self-aware I'm like, I'm just going it. to say the things that are frustrating me, even yeah. though <laughs> I know that it's insignificant. And ultimately, it's probably the right decision. But yeah. what the royal F, if this can't be done, it's a... Just so I can say it a lot, which is also <laughs> yeah. impo- a part of the process. Like you need to be able to have that person and that person can change from situation to situation. I'm sure Ash has been that person when somebody's been complaining about me. Like, and I'm, you know what I mean? Like everybody leans on each other in different ways, depending on what the moment so is. So you actually so, swore anyway. and said the F word, Mark. I probably did. Yeah, wow. Probably. Wow. I might have dropped this. This is a juicy episode. (laughs) (laughs) But the reason why we laugh about it now is that it was like, it was such an inconsequential thing where you're like, who it's like. I knew it was at the time, but that's what even made it more infuriating. I'm like, not even this thing that I care about matters. So then to your point, what the hell does matter? This is all bullshit. And then, and then you had to coordinate with Kayfly's team in LA, and she executed her part. And then uh, you had to sort of put it all together to make it feel like it's in the same world. And, and you yeah, and I should—I didn't put a big enough shout out to Kayfly's team, essentially. And I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but Sonny, but he's the one that shot Kayfly's side, so he was the go-between. Where I was like, oh, here's the stills from Max. Here's the edit. These are my like um, notes on how I would recommend you shoot it, but. I didn't give enough uh, praise to him and thanks to him because oh, he did that. Last funny thing about this video is that we we outsourced uh, some of the uh, the work uh, when it came to the the board, the Wheel of Fortune board, <clears throat> to a digital designer who is based in Germany because it's like a an international like online resource if you need like animators. And at first we thought this was a brilliant idea. And then it ended up being like the time zones and just his workflow really kind of fucked with our brain. And we're like, and they're like, who the fuck is this German? It's like, turns out he's Swedish. This fucking <laughs> Swedish dude was just like swearing about him. He came, he came through and he was awesome, but it was a new wrinkle in, in the operation. Yeah, it was definitely difficult, especially I was the one um, interacting with him and it was only through chat and Max and Ash would call me and be like, what's up with the German dude? Like, where's the update? And I'm like, trying to keep them up to speed on what's happening but it was uh it was difficult um but i'm happy with how it turned out well this is the thing i mean you know sometimes uh uh, things are laborious and and it's hard labor but then when the baby arrives everybody's happy with the final result and it's this thing that lives and it exists and everybody seems to be thrilled with the video and the song and everything so the process worked 
Mm-hmm. I'm definitely happy with the end result. And despite what maybe people think of me, like I, uh, like maybe people think I've done a ton of, ton of like technical stuff with green screen and I hadn't really done a full video with green screen. So it was a challenge. And then, uh, yeah. Mark, I, you also did all of sort of the technical keying for all of the green screen yourself. This is correct, right? I did. I'll, I'll shout out to Travis Laidlaw at much. He helped me with K-Flays, but all the other stuff I was doing myself and it's not my thing. And then compositing everything in and it could have been given to an artist and it could have been better but given the what we were at going after it it was as good as it needed to be i believe this actually probably you asked what sums up sort of mark's work ethic and how mark works off the top of this piece this to me sums it up like so i was on set shooting that thing i was shooting a couple weeks ago and i was using the same director of photography so hattie who we all love shut him out he shot your guys video so he's on set and um I'm like, oh, you're just coming off that Derek Kells thing, right? With with Mark. He's like, yeah. I'm like, how did it all go? He's like, it's great, but I just got off the phone with Mark. He's like, he's he's keying all of the work himself right now. Like he shot it and then he went to do all of this sort of like secondary and tertiary work, like these other specialized jobs. And I was like, that is legit classic Mark. Like it's like, that's the part you hire somebody else for. But Mark is just so, he, he likes to touch everything on a project. And also I... I could just throw anything at him because he's the kind of guy that like he'll just figure it out. Like if you were asking me to do anything, you know it's getting outsourced to somebody else, right? Like you're like Max, can you take care of this thing? I'm like yeah, hey, I'll take care of it, and you know I'm not doing it because I don't have any skills. But with Mark, I could just say, hey Mark, I have this idea. It's about uh, I want to shoot on top of Mount Everest. Just figure it out. And you're like okay, and he'll figure it out, and you'll just do it. Uh, which which says a lot about the, your determination. One thing you you couldn't be like, I need some pants for a video shoot. <laughs> Mark, did you pick something up on the way to the set? I need the worst pants possible, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Don't worry. I know a place. The bay. Well, I think that to to uh, accept the praise, I think I uh, appreciate it. It's part of my flaw as well because I don't delegate when I should delegate. So it's part of a, a blessing and a curse. Uh, in this case, um, if, if we had a longer conversation, I'd say, oh, the budget, you know, the budget ended up putting restraints on it where I'm like, can I go to an external person? I don't know what I would pay that external person. So when it comes to those type of things, it's, it, um, I'm always willing to say yes. It's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, so, and I like trying to learn how to do things. So when people, when we say keen for people that maybe know or don't know, it just essentially is removing the green all the green as well as you can so that you can replace that green with a different background without seeing a green outline around everyone's head and arms. Very cool. Okay, I have to go pee and you have to go. So uh, thank you very Good much. Good job, Mark. Thanks, Amazing Mark. video. Amazing job. Love you, thank buddy. Thank you. Bye for now. All right. Thank you so much to uh, Mark Myers for joining us. Um, that's his second time on the pod? Third time. I think we did a Junos with him actually as well when you guys were all nominated for uh, Knocking at the Door. But uh, always a delight to hang with him. All right, guys. Uh, do you want to get to our conversation with K-Flay? This was, uh, yeah, we recorded this before we talked to Mark. Great conversation. Uh, as always, this is her third time on the podcast, as you will hear. Shane, this was your first time hanging out with her. The first two times you weren't in the interview, but this time you were. Impressions? Yeah. I like her. She's She has almost a Mark-esque quality where she can uh, really elaborate on things. So some sometimes you interview and you ask a question and they can just end it and not elaborate, which can be annoying. But she really delves into every single question the way you'd want her to. 
I love the way Christine talks. Mm-hmm. Just her word choice. I just want everybody to listen to it. Just the way she describes things. It's just like the perfect mix of like casual, but also funny, but also kind of academic and smart in like a sneaky way. Like she, you know, some people who, who start talking and you're like, oh my God, you're, you're way smarter than me and I'm intimidated. I just feel bad better when i listen to her talk or yeah. something you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. the way she uses language yeah. it's really well, it's she really does fun to be two around. flattering things which is she says your name which for a per- mm. if you've never met someone and they say your name that's really flattering it's like oh they they know my name i guess it says it in the corner here but and then if if you ask a question and the conversation deviates she comes back to the initial question that you asked yeah which is it's, it's for the listeners too on a podcast i hate that when a good question's asked, then it gets off topic and it never comes back. She yeah, you lose the back. thread. Yeah. And you're sitting there going like, no, 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 come back, come back. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah she's phenomenal. So settle in and uh, listen to uh, us and Kayfle chat about you can get it. Welcome back. It's uh, it's awesome to see you. Although I'm a little sad we're not seeing each other in person because the last time we did this uh, was was at the Drake in Toronto. You played sort of this like cool like uh, secret show sort of deal, and then we all hung out and had a night. That is obviously not uh, in the cards right now, but it's still good to see you in person nonetheless. Thanks for joining the podcast for the third time. Thank you for having me. I mean, I feel like. This is one of my favorite podcasts, and you know I love many podcasts, so it's it truly is an honor to be back. I I feel you know it's special. <laughs> I don't know if we had like any any three time guests. Is, is she leading the way? Like in terms of we've had friends and stuff that have popped on the show, but not like an official artist. This is this is yeah. Good. Am I like? inching my way towards being a like a co-host or like a, I mean I don't want to be presumptuous here but like maybe if someone gets really <laughs> sick I could fill in you know that kind of thing absolutely it would be it, we'd be thrilled and honored to have you pop in like you're like the standby like you're sort of the, you're like the, the fifth beetle <laughs> right I'm on call <laughs> yeah so you know we've been doing a lot of uh, press together so Christine and I did about like 12 interviews or we did a lot of interviews for like Canadian radio. I went on your Twitch stream on Saturday yep. and there's so many fucking platforms these days. And you're like, where do I, you know, uh, uh, like kind of what's my allegiance. And uh, I've been learning a lot about TikTok from Shane. I learned about Twitch from <laughs> you. This is a podcast. So we've been, we've actually been hanging out a lot lately. Um, but uh, but yeah, but this is gonna be a nice uh, you know proper long form podcast interview, and and Mike and Shane are gonna be the the yeah. guests, the hosts, and we'll be the guests. Well, you and I, Christine. I have a first question here. Now, when you're on tour together, like doing press, do you work out a bit as you go, and then it's like, okay, that that worked really well. Let's tell that in the next interview, like the talk show circuit. Yeah. Mm. I I mean personally, I, I okay to answer that question, I feel like very high level actors and performers do that. I feel like yeah. I don't and I sh- probably should. You know like <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm not totally in touch with what is working and what is not working. I'm just I'm coming in I'm not really prepping and I I've noticed in just sort of being in this industry that like people do prep. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting, though, Christine, because you obviously have had a great career so far. So you must have some sense as to like what will work musically at your live show, everything. But like, do you do you bounce ideas off people? Like, do you have any sense what songs are going to be big or what songs like are going to do this or that or like or do you rely on people? Well, I mean, I I definitely. Well, actually, this this is perhaps a, an interesting segue into a conversation I'm curious to have with you, Max, a little bit is in the, in the pre COVID time, I feel like I played my music for so many different people, whether it was like, I'm in a recording session and people are like, what are you up to? I'm like, Oh, here's my new music. Check it out. What, what do you think? And they're like, Oh, that song, that song's really good. The other stuff's cool, but like that song's really cool. Um, and so you're sort of, you're, you're sort of like getting a consensus just de facto by being a human out there in the world, just just sharing ideas and playing music for each other. And so I think often I do have a sense generally of what songs are connecting, like what's going to work live. Obviously, there's a little bit of trial and error. What's been really weird in COVID and releasing music is like, nobody has heard basically anything that I'm doing. And I have no idea if, if people are going to like it. And Max, I'm curious, like putting out new music right now, how... How have you felt about that? You don't get the uh, the gratification of going out and playing it, right? Like you don't get a chance to like see how people are reacting to it in the room uh, and like shouting the lyrics back at you. But I'm probably almost like too liberal with sending songs to my friends. I almost am annoying at this point. So Mike's <laughs> brother, Greg, and our other best pal, Dan, they've heard like iterations of a lot of Arkell's material. And I was actually talking to the band about that today. I was like, honestly, Greg and Dan like are tired of getting text messages from me. Just like, can you listen to this? Can you listen to this? Can you fuck off, please? Like, yeah, they're not the most um, objective when it comes to the music. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is, you're totally right. It's just like a different time right now. Well, that kind of that kind of is a natural sort of segue to a question I had about one, I guess, how your collaboration on this track came together and also what state the song was in when you first heard it, Christine, when, when Max sent it. Yeah, well, Max, you should start because you you, no, you no. started the song. Like your first impression, the way that you heard it, the oh. way that Max pitched it. What was that like? Like, was it like an acoustic recording? What no. What state was it in? It was in a, I mean, I feel like I should actually go back and check for mm. accuracy. But my recollection, <laughs> Lord knows, my recollection is like, <laughs> I got a text from you of a couple songs that yeah. it was like, hey, we're we're like working on the record. We're finishing some things. Here are a couple. What do you think in terms of like, is anything? Are you connecting with anything? I heard that version of "You Can Get It," which was similar, but not developed fully. Mm-hmm. That is my recollection of yep. it. And but it certainly had. It was a song. It wasn't like, hey, I have a voice note, um, and nothing. You know, nothing else. It's like <laughs> it was like it had the 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 kind of the 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 robust skeleton of the song so it was it was pretty easy i felt like my job was super easy i just came in and like put a little couple couple sprinkles i did an e40 sprinkle me on that and then uh that <laughs> when was Max it gives it to you, do you does he have like a scratch rap in there and then he's like oh you changed the lyrics or is he like these are the lyrics this is how it's going to be and you just rap it okay max i think uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Did you have a second verse written? I think we had a second verse, That's but it I wasn't think. it was shorter and it was it it didn't do a lot of the things that you did to it. I think you started off like hold up, 
No, actually, I don't even think that was in there. I, I think you basically like started singing along to it and then started to do your own thing. And to see you work so quickly, you did remind me of like what a hip hop artist would do. It's just like kind of just being in the moment. I think a lot of times like band guys like really agonize over specific parts and and you know melodies you can kind of get in your own head that's sort of like the way indie rock bands kind of came up this sort of like in the moment let's let's just sing rap some stuff is not really a thing that happens in indie rock as much but i know you come from more of a hip-hop background where it's like no no, i'm just gonna come up with shit in the room and hopefully it feels good and that that'll be my contribution is that accurate that's totally accurate i mean i think and this this is part of a bigger conversation about like different genres place primacy on different f- modes of writing. And I think that's really interesting. Like, you know, there is, like you say, in in kind of rap and hip hop, there is a real emphasis placed on spontaneity, like what is happening in the moment. It doesn't need to be a freestyle necessarily, but it's that it's the spirit of that. Um, and there's the notion, I think it's accurate in many ways, that there is something magical about it's like a gut instinct, right? It's like you a first impression. You meet someone and we say, like culturally, we're like, yeah, first impressions like matter. If you get a weird feeling from someone, like you're probably right. Like, you know, that's not that's not good. And I think musically that rings true for me when I'm like, often the first thing I think to say or the first idea, even if it doesn't make sense, is often better than the idea I have two weeks in when I've been like, you know, tinkering. Now that being said, you know, there are other genres where the kind of like, you know, the, what's it called? Like a clay pot, what, spinning a pot, spinning clay? What's that called again? <laughs> spinning yeah. clay, I call it. Yeah. From okay. the, the scene from Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> if it's called some pottery. I d- yeah. Okay. Yeah. A wheel. Pottery. Isn't it called a wheel? A wheel. A wheel. A wheel. wheel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But then there's the other method, which to me is the, the ghost Patrick Swayze method of like, let me refine and like delicately shape this thing. And I, I do think there's great value in that. And of course, like probably the sweet spot is, you know the best of both worlds like not like tinkering until you're kind of blue in the face but um, was max doing the patrick swayze thing with you like trying <laughs> yeah. to, not not like not that way but you know i tinkering with your lyrics and how comfortable are you if someone's trying to get in there and maneuver i oh god i wish i like remembered more about some of this like it did Hold on happen. a second when, when did you guys when did you guys do this were you in person was this pre-covid that the the track was done this was last uh, February. Okay, so this song really is of another time as far as workflow, the way that you guys did the job. It's like you sat in a studio together. It would have been done the way it was done in the old world. It wasn't like sending stuff back and forth. You were in the room feeling it out. Yeah, so we were recording uh, a bunch of new stuff in LA um, early February. And so, yeah, we had a chance to actually do it in the room. Um, shouts to Tom Payton and Ryan Spraker who produced the song. Uh, and but yeah, the band was recording it all together, which was amazing because since then we've had to do a lot of things remotely. Um, but yeah, I think Christine came in on the second last day of recording. And so we were actually kind of a little bit fried, but like all the parts were there, like not all the parts, a lot of the parts were there. And the song sounded kind of like something Oh, not like a totally finished product, but something you could work with. Right, Christine? Yeah, totally. And I think, Shane, to your question about like the 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 massaging of the lyrics um 
in in a Swayze style. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I came in. Uh, you know, I sort of sat down. I was riffing off of like Max the concept and the things you were saying, and I really liked, of course, the delivery of the first verse. So I sort of mirror that at the beginning, and then was like, "Well, it'd be cool to introduce a different rhythm so that we have like we have different information in it and it remains interesting for listeners." And I think we, I kind of wrote something, presented it to the group, or just sang it for the group, got some feedback, and then tinkered a little bit with the lyric i mean it's my perspective that when i'm a part of you know somebody else's when i'm featuring on somebody else's song like i want to make sure that what i'm saying is in line with what what they're feeling and thinking and what they like because you know that that in essence is a collaboration and i should note that we recorded that day felt really good there was like great energy in the room and recording and just like being with everybody of course creates this like ineffable sense that that affects everything but then I got the the mix back and was like ooh, I could I want to change a lyric slightly and I can deliver it better so I actually re-recorded my verse and then we ended up comping the original with some of the new and a big shout to Ryan for tolerating me on uh, many, many notes on how we do that well. Uh, so actually, the 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 verse that you hear on the, the finished take is a combination of quarantine recording at my apartment and studio recording the day of. Or can you let us know what that lyric is? Yeah, though? we want to know the line was. Yeah. The, this, the listeners want okay, to know. Okay. Li- oh, gosh. Oh, wow. I need to remember. Okay. So it's... Um, she has to look up lyrics online, like her own <laughs> lyrics. Okay. Well, Mike... That's a side note of just the uh, just yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I'm like going on a walk with my girlfriend. She's like starting to sing a song. She's like of mine. She's like, wait, what's the next line? And I was like, honestly, <laughs> I have no idea. And it's like a pretty. Uh, it was like a successful song. I have no clue what the lyric is. Um, so that's disturbing uh, on a number of levels. But I think it was. So I go pulling back the curtain. Got the sun in my eyes. Oh. Okay, so the original one was like everybody got a version, but it never but the, applies. But it never applies, right? So, very good, thank you, Max. So the problem was in singing that. What I was trying to say is like everyone has a version of themselves, but it's never suitable, right? We're always like falling short, or we're like missing the mark, or there's some disconnect. But when I sang it, it sounds like. When you say never applies, it sounds like you're saying never replies. Oh, mm. it never replies. And so that was like bugging replies. me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So then I'm like, everybody's got a version, but it never replies. Like, what the hell am I even talking about here? <laughs> um, so then, so then I was trying to think, and then I was like, okay, I can do better with that lyric. And also, how could I say something? And this gets back to what we were talking about, like spontaneity versus refinement. Like, how can I actually maybe refine this and say something that actually means more? And so what it ended up being is everybody, they've been hurting, but they push it aside. And I think, you know, in the context of this song, which is about really like going after what you want and and trying to be as unselfconscious as possible. To me, that felt like it actually made more sense. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I remember having like a side conversation with Ryan, producer Ryan, because when you sent over the new one and we're like, 
I think we like the first one better. But but I but the lyric though is probably the better lyric. Obviously, right. it's all subjective. But uh, so we're happy that he could uh, he could comp it all together. Um, and also, should note that um, Mike did his guitar solo at home, and Tony did the horn line at home um, on like on the on the keyboard. So there it was a good it was a good mix of like being able to be in your own headspace and having no one breathe you know, down your neck to get something done, but also feeling the energy in the room. You know how they, both are useful, eh, Christine? Cause you, you do a lot of both, right? Like you have your home recording setup. Clearly you're, you're there right now, but then also you're really great. And you have a lot of experience of being in the room. Have you been doing a lot of co-writing recently for, for your own stuff and other people's work? Yeah, I have. Um, and I think, you know, what we're talking about here fundamentally is tension, and I, I think about this all the time. And actually, there's a lot of like, I've read, a, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe just because I'm tuned into it, this concept of tension keeps coming up, right? Like, every situation has different forms of tension. And that tension can be productive or unproductive. And the goal, I think, anytime you're making something is to put yourself in a diverse set of productively tense situations. Mm. Right? Like... Because great, great things are created under forms of pressure. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about like they make they made their first record and they had like five grand. So what's the pressure there? There's no pressure of expectation because they're unknown. But there's the pressure of like, well, like, fuck, I got to get this done for five thousand dollars, the whole thing. And, you know, or like we rented a studio for a week. We must finish it because we can't record it after that. You know, like these are mm. all different forms of tension. And I think what's interesting about many people's like f early records. And I think one of the reason that often like later records for bands or artists don't, don't always have that same whatever, like special thing is that there isn't as much tension. Mm. That is interesting. And so uh, I think, I think tension's, good unless it's like horrendous tension and you know paralyzes you yeah well it's you know even mentioning that like band dynamics uh and the nature of collaboration lends itself or leads to what you're describing which is tension right it's like it's, it's different opposing views or even collaborative views or maybe they get along i'm interested you as a solo artist when you hang out with a band like arkells and you go oh look okay there's sort of like these five pieces that have to work in concert in order to create this thing and then you have more of sort of like a, a singular vision maybe when you create your work even if you're collaborating you're the final say you know you're the boss um do you look at there's just go oh man it might be kind of nice to be in a band or when you leave a situation like that are you like i like it on my own it is much easier Oh man, this is a, a triggering question. Um, no, I I feel I feel a mix. I mean, I I think there is something, and you know, uh, Max, you can certainly speak to this. There's something so beautiful about being part of a band when it is working, and when it feels like there is productive tension and yet communal joy at the end, and there is something about like us against the world that I think can happen when you're in a band that's really exciting and really special. And there's something on the flip side, very uh, lonely and confusing at times about being a solo artist because it, it yeah, it's sort of like, well, who are you going to pop the champagne with? Um, hmm. 
sometimes by yourself, which leads to devastating results, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> do not advise drinking alone. Uh, but but then, then, of course, Mike, like it's on the flip, right? I get to do whatever I want. And I get to be really, really like experimental and I don't have to worry about hurting somebody's feelings. I don't have to worry about somebody feeling left out. I mean, this is my friends who are in bands. This is what I see as like one of the things that really happens, especially over time and especially as co-writing has like, you know, totally infiltrated the the entire uh, ecosphere of of the music industry. So... No, you know, it's a good, it's a good um, thing that I've been thinking about a lot uh, related to, yeah, just collaboration. And when it comes to the band, I'm really grateful that it's like, we're all operating in this small business together. So musically speaking, there's a lot of different kinds of work to be done on the, sort of like the business admin side or merch or, you know, musical uh, direction when, uh, when we're playing live, all those responsibilities can be distributed amongst band members and, and, and everybody has a kind of a collective goal. And that's the way our Kells have always thought about things. Um, and, but I think one of the things that I'm most proud about, uh, about, you know, collaborating with the guys is that we've, we've remained open-minded about how to do things because I think the killer of a band is when they get r really stuck in, no, no, this is the way we do it as if it's like divine, right? It's like, no, no, this is the way our Kells write music. And that, just kills bands because you know that might have worked on the second album the third album by the time you get the fourth album if you're using the same bag of tricks over and over again then the shit becomes very very stale so i think on this record we were like very excited to see like how can we use our skill set and our sensibilities and then work with some new producers work with a feature artist we haven't really done that before and i think if there's a reason that like we can keep going and being new and fresh and creative and feeling like that at least it's because we have that spirit. So I think that's, and it's not easy for everybody to, to kind of get there in their mind, but I think our band has like come around to it in a, in a really healthy way. You know, I want to uh, take a second to say, or well, first of all, to ask, have you guys watched the Bee Gees documentary? Yeah. Yeah. We did a whole episode on it. Oh, or at least the segment. Yeah. 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 Oh. We talked about it on the podcast. Okay. Well, did you, did you talk about the, the staying alive drum sample? Yeah, so cool. So fucking so cool. So to me, and so, okay, I'm like rehashing, but... Um, no, say it again. T t tell the listeners. Okay, so just, just, yeah, for, the loops. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. for context. So the Bee Gees are out at this like chateau in France. It's a complete shithole. Everyone's like cold and upset and, you know, like disappointed because they thought they were recording at the Elton John, like whatever that record was. And the drummer's father died, is that right? Or mother? Or so, so, Okay, so a parent, there's a death in the family, and so he's got to go back, I think, to Ireland or something, or UK, and, but they have some of his recordings, because they're, like, starting to demo these out, and tape machines are just start, people are just starting to experiment with tape machines, and how you can manipulate tape, and, like, affect, you know, sample tape recording tape and so they're like well you know joe schmo's gone so in the meantime as we work out the song let's just loop a couple bars of his his drum take and we'll write the song to that then they write staying alive the drummer comes back and it's he even he has to be like bro this is this is, this is it <laughs> this like i shouldn't do anything else and i think that uh, that particular anecdote resonated with me so much because it 
it's exactly what you're talking about, Max. It's openness to new ways of being creative. It's it's not having ego because it would be very easy for that drummer to go, but 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 I'm not. But that's like I could do so much well, more. You know what the the part you're not saying though is that he was told immediately to pack his shit and never come back. Yeah. So it was a difficult. Uh, th- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's that is not what happens. <laughs> he was a very good sport and all of that. Yeah, but like just even him being open to that, it, he, totally. him having the humility and egolessness to say like, actually, sometimes the best thing you can do for a song is nothing. So like maybe you are the lead guitarist and maybe the song just doesn't call for guitar. So. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that's t- well, okay. This is this is in uh, this song. I think is a really good example of that. It's it's like there's it's not very guitar focused, but Mike has his moment, and the guitar solo is fucking awesome, and that's yeah. all that was really really needed. And even lyrically, it's just like I remember when I was conceiving the song, you know, talking to Tom, producer Tom, and I just kind of had a, a general idea of like you know the last year has been kind of hard but i think like we have to really just get after it like where's that energy there's a lot of energy to harness and just like kind of talking through that concept and then he probably came up with a bunch of the lyrics that he started to start saying singing stuff i'm like oh that's fucking cool and i and the, here's the thing i don't even remember who wrote what all i know is that i fucking like it and that i was a part of it and that's good enough for me <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? um, well and and that sense of like you know, not being concerned with ownership or credit in a, in a certain way. Like, okay, so take it back to, I'm sure everyone here can relate, like group projects in high school or something. Like horrible, horrible experience. Like, because everybody's out here like fighting for credit, jockeying for credit. Like, It's just, it's not, it's never conducive to actual collaboration. And I think like when you are just like, hey, we're, we're building a raft and like we got to get the raft to the island. No one's really paying attention to like who found the log, who they're just glad to get to the island. Absolutely. You I know? think it, and then you you see it in all sorts of creative work too like in the ad industry with like creative directors, you know, they need to put their mark on something. You know what I mean? They they just have to somehow touch the painting a little bit so that they can say that they that was their sort of um, contribution. And sometimes the best contribution is none. It's to go, "No, that's it. That's the way to go." And those are the best sort of I think creative collaborators and leaders is the people that are sort of secure enough and confident enough to go, "That's a great piece. It, you know, we're all a part of it." instead of having to sort of be able to point at something specific and go, well, that was my contribution. Totally. Like territorialism is is the, the enemy of creativity, in my opinion. Like, you know, trying to plant your flag on things and make sure everyone knows you did that. You know, no one cares. People just want, you know, people just want something great. And often something great means you, you, you know, you didn't have to like, Sign your name at the bottom of every painting. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you were on uh, one of my favorite songs ever. It's uh, called My Shine, but with uh, Bishop Briggs, a former podcast. I love that song. And I remember even someone tweeted it before it came out. It was like you and Bishop, like rocking out to it in the the sound studio. You're like, this song's going to be huge or something. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't wait for this song to actually come out because I was just looping the 10 second clip of you guys rocking out to hearing it through the speakers through your uh, iPhone. But I was wondering, what is the difference between working with someone like Bishop and working with Max and other people? Or is it pretty much the same? Well, it's actually quite different. 
I mean, so in the case of uh, my shine and, and, uh, you know, working with Sarah Bishop, uh, on her record, you know, I kind of, she and I have had a really cool Genesis as like creative partners in a sense, right? Like I'm coming in, obviously, Max, I've known you now for, for years. This is our first time collaborating and it's kind of like a one-off. Like maybe maybe mm. we'll do something else in the future. <laughs> well, I don't mean don't mean to limit it, but <laughs> she's announcing here, folks. Yeah. It's you the it end here. of it. One time up. only. Get that track. But you but you know what I mean. No, like, no, of course, yeah, of course. never again. Yes. Like Sarah kind of <laughs> came. Sarah and I had developed a personal relationship and friendship, and then you know she's beginning to work on this record, and I think you know again speaking as a solo artist. You, you are missing a band dynamic, you know, often in the writing process. And so when she invited me in, it felt like getting invited into a world where we were going to work on, you know, many songs together and my role was going to be different song to song. Uh, but but it was sort of like, hey, I'm, I'm coming into this like this experience in a more long form capacity. And so, you know, I think. We I co-wrote four of the songs uh, with Sarah on her her last record, and we've actually started working on a bunch of new stuff, which is you know I guess I don't want to spoil anything is awesome, and you oh, know okay. she's she's in this um, I think in a in a really you know intense but special place in terms of writing and making music right now. But so yeah, Shane, I I think for for me with with Bishop, it's like. I'm a fan. I know her as a friend. We are just friends. Uh, so it makes songwriting really collaborative. And, you know, Max, like you say, when you were just vibing and you don't know who said what, it was just like, well, that's dope. Let's go with that. You know, it's it's a similar vibe of just like, let's just talk about what's happening. Often she and I are going through similar things around the same time. So we're kind of feeling the same stuff. And so when I say something, I'm like, oh, man, she, it, you know, like th- that's true for me and she's like well, that's true for me and vice versa so it kind of it, it has it's like a longer conversation than one song and um i think that you know to me that's like really special when and it's rare you get you get the opportunity to do that you know another thing that's probably appealing i can imagine for you is like if you're you know bouncing ideas around and you hear her sing something that you came up with and you're like oh i don't sound like that because obviously bishop has an incredible soulful voice it's like a different kind of soul than you have but it's like oh shit i love that like coming out of my mouth it was okay but coming out of your mouth wow and vice versa too like you're you're, you're coming up with things and rhythms that she wouldn't have thought of in a million years either so that 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 I find to be like an incredibly satisfying part where you're like oh god it just feels so cool to hear somebody else do that idea Totally. And, um, you know, that song was in particular, My Shine was really cool because that started, we were, we were working with John Hill, uh, who's a great producer and, and writer. And I, uh, someone had played for me a song. And so that, that baseline you hear is basically, I, we re-recorded it, but it's a sample, um, or it's based off a sample of another song. So that was just like, I was like listening to that on the way over. I'm like, man, this baseline is so cool. And mm-hmm. so it really had like a number of collaborative components to it. Maxie, you said, uh, you know, you guys haven't really done a collab like this, like this track with Christine in the past. What was it about 
working with her on this and like 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 Christine said, you know, like you guys have known each other now for years. Uh why why was this the track and why was she the person? Um we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um I, I was sort of nervous despite Christine being so lovely and welcoming. Like I was still like how am I going to bug am I bugging her right now by asking her to you know maybe be a part of this um which is saying something because christine like is the top of the list of just like friendly warm people um but yeah it kind of went back to what, what i was saying earlier it's like we just want to keep trying new things uh, as a band and we've never really had like a, a guest singer on, on a song like that that's on like our official record um and but it's actually motivated me christine i was like oh, i want to do more of this kind of stuff like i want more voices with our kells it's like I want to sing with more people. And uh, so it's been a very like inspiring moment for us. I'm always curious uh, about these situations when you have a guest artist and let's say this becomes Arkell's biggest song. When they tour, are you cool if like obviously if you're not available, if they bring out like someone else to, to do that part or, or do mm. you say, hey, you just play the song as I recorded it? <laughs> this, is, this is, okay, this is a great question because you know, I've I've collaborated on a lot of, tracks in many different genres so like i've done edm things where it's like well no one's singing so it that's fine easy enough question answered um <laughs> but you know i did a song with uh robert delong called favorite color is blue which actually is like one of my favorite songs that i that i have written with someone like for me for anyone else because we literally went into like a fugue state we were both so hung over so he had i'd had a house party the night before he came over to my party and everyone just like out here just you know this is when i was deep in the sauce right like i'm just like drinking pot what do i care Ooh. okay um and uh i got up the next morning i was like oh man i feel like crap but we got breakfast and we went to his place and like I had just gone back from Spain and I had been like going to all these Picasso museums and I got obsessed with like how he, the genesis of his life, which is the topic for a different uh, conversation. But, um, and we went into this like crazy, crazy psychotic, like stream of consciousness state, which ended up being the whole song, which was really cool. But what Robbie did, and he's very technologically, like he's kind of nerdy on that stuff is like, he kind of had a video like hologram of me like singing wow. it. So he, he integrated it into his like projection and light show that it just became part of like the, whatever it was going on behind him. Um, which I thought was a pretty cool way of doing it. Um, but you know, Max, I'm fine if you want to just, you know, Max got bars. Do the, you could, could, would you I'm do the video board? Would you like record your verse that they could take into every event? If it's in the budget, if it's in the budget. But I'll be honest with you, I couldn't remember when the song was coming out. I couldn't remember my verse when I was singing the song because you know you're in promo <laughs> land, and I was just like, "Hold up, coming out of me, lightning bolt, electricity." And I was like, "Oh no, I was like, okay, yeah." And I, and I just could only remember Christine's part. <laughs> well, I think you should sing it. Mm-hmm. When I'm not around, or if you get hologram technology, put my ass in. I'll record it. Um, the, the, or, it also could evolve into a fan bit if someone's really good. You know, I saw uh, YBN Cordae. Do you know YBN Cordae? Do you know? Do you know him? He's a rapper. 
He's wow. awesome. Oh, he's the he, he's like what? a young young dude. Y B N Corday C O R D A E. He has a song with Anderson Pack, which you will fucking love. And they did a performance on Fallon. It was amazing. It's right up your alley, Christine. But anyway, okay, he okay. he has a a guy come up on stage. Oh, he'll get like a fan to come up on stage and do like the guest vocal. I think for Anderson's part, but it's very good. Very very good. Okay, I like that idea. Yeah. That's the best idea so far. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, hopefully uh, one day soon as we sort of wrap this up, you guys are able to play it live uh, wherever that is um, and everybody can get back to sort of things as they used to be. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Christine, for uh, for joining us here. This was I could listen oh, to yeah. you talk a Yes forever. or no question. One last question. Yes. <laughs> oh, or yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. Are, I, I want to ask rappers this. Is, are freestyles real ever? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, they are. It, it, it depends. So I, I would say for the most part, like when you hear a freestyle on like, you know, Breakfast Club or something like this, it, that's not a freestyle. That, that's pre-written. So I think there there are circumstances in which like true ciphers are occurring and people really are like just rapping off the top. I think it's a product of our hyper uh, videoed recorded culture that the true freestyle has been lost because like when you're really freestyling, some of it's kind of embarrassing and bad and then you don't want that living like in perpetuity on the internet. So I I do feel like modern technology has, um, has changed freestyle culture. However, I will say... As far as I know, and I'm not the expert, um, I think a lot of freestyles that you hear on air are written very close to the time they are delivered. So I think a lot of them are like, it might have been like that morning or like the night before or something like that. And I think a lot of like really, really talented rappers have a bunch in their back pocket, which is its own feat, I must say. All right. No further questions. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you as always. Yes, great to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping I get to to come to Canada in the fall and do do the song and, and see you guys and just get, you know, get out of America. I'm, you know, this, <laughs> this place is, is driving me insane. Um, <laughs> All right, see you, Christine. Bye. Okay, bye. See you. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to K-Play. Um, guys, it's time for the dessert. Shaney, what do you got for us? Hey, guys, have you heard of Mark Theron Claude Barat? I have not. You haven't? No. <laughs> Debbie, you, Mike? No, I don't know what he's just said. Okay, there's, <laughs> there's a mafia guy, and he was on the run for seven years. Hmm. So the, the feds or whatever were after him. He was, he was in Italy. <laughs> And then he could, is he American or Italian he, or he's Italian Canadian he's Italian okay no he wasn't in Italy he was in the Dominican mm. he he escaped to to hide out and just but he's Italian he's Italian he's from Italy. oh yeah okay. and then uh, he couldn't resist and he started a cooking show but the cooking show <laughs> got got popular a YouTube cooking show 
But he didn't he didn't show his face, but he had tats. He had notable tattoos. And the show got to the point of popularity where it was undeniable that to get to the people who were searching for him. And now he's in custody of the police. Wow. <laughs> so it just got me thinking. I was like, man, if I was on the run, what would be the thing that gets me busted? Oh, yeah. So, so I thought, thought I'd propose that to you. And I have my predictions, but I don't know if I should say them about you guys. What would what would get you caught? Or do you should I let you say and then I say my prediction? That's a great uh, question. OK, I, I don't know if I want to hear yours first okay. or if we should give them to you. And then okay. what do you think, Maxi? He gives us his first and then we give ours or we give ours and then he tells I think, I think Shane goes first and then we. All right. What are your is. predictions for what would get uh, Max and myself caught if we were on the lam? OK, so you're in like the Dominican or Costa Rica. You're hiding out. It's been six yeah. years. You've done a good job at staying low key. <laughs> But you mm-hmm. you hear there's an open mic night, <laughs> and you like. Hold on, is that for Mike or I? Because <laughs> actually, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I don't know. Originally, this was for Max, but you're right. You're yeah, right. I could be that, tempted. Six years is a long time to sort of be on the on the down low, man. Okay, but yeah, I figured it would be a, an open mic, and maybe like there's this this woman in the Dominican you're trying to impress, and then somebody videotapes you, Max, and it goes viral, and you're like mm. shit, and then you're busted. Yeah, but maybe maybe it was worth it. Maybe that's something you actually think is <laughs> worth it. And for Mike, I just had uh, the boys are having a bachelor party, <laughs> and it's like, guys, it's been six years. Fuck it, I'm free. And you know, you know, it's against your better judgment, but you still go. And then you get caught, and you're like, I'm so fucking stupid. Why'd I do that? I shouldn't have gone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'd say for me the um, that that's not wrong. I think wanting to be on stage and have people cheer me on is something I'm probably a little addicted to. So uh, you know, six years of not having that that drug, uh, you know, that'd be a recipe for me getting caught. I also think though um, I'm a bit of an oversharer, and I also like connecting with people. And so I do this like wherever I go. I'm like, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from that town? Oh, do you know so-and-so? I play this game with people all the time. Where, oh, you're from Chicago? Oh, what do you think of this pizza place in Chicago? Like, I'm always, that's what I do. So if people were kind of coming through my my little seaside town in, in Dominican Republic, I would definitely, like, make want to make friends with them. And at some point, I divulge enough information where it turns out it's like the wife of, a, of, a, of an agent who works with the Italian government. And be like, you know, I was talking to this guy. And he said that, and then people would piece it together. So I think it would, because I don't, I'm not good at being by myself mm-hmm. or not communicating with people because I always like to make a connection. So I think that I would give myself, because some people are good at just being like by themselves and not needing to con- communicate with the world. You'd be sharing too much of yourself all yeah. the time because that's how you connect. Yeah, totally. Mike, what about you? Let's say that I had gone into hiding in like 2011 and then the 2019 Raptors started to make their run. And I, someone had like a finals ticket for me. I might, I think I would risk getting caught to be in the building for an NBA, for Raptors in the NBA finals. I think that would be something that I would like weigh all my options. And I would be like, if this is the thing that, that, that I go down for, uh, I can live with that. Um, Shane, what do you, how do you think you'd be caught? Do you have any predictions? Cause I know how mm. I'd go down. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you like. Uh, a good like viral stunt like you you do like attention in a, in a different way than Mike and I but you like eyes on you so I do feel like there'd be something 
you know, something to do with like, you know, trying to get like Lucy to go viral and somebody would see your tattoo that's like very distinguishable. You know what I mean? Cause you take your family to Dominican and then mm. you make, ah, oh, but there's this great opportunity. Like Lucy did something fucking hilarious in the ocean. She got hit by a big wave. We're putting it on our TikTok account. Maybe. And then somebody's going to like identify you or hear your voice see, and track you see, down. I don't think so because. I'm I like the idea of living off the grid. That's not my big weakness. The the problem is the fact that I don't have to live off the grid. It's like, well, I have no excuse. Everyone else is trying to go viral. I might as well. It's actually kind of annoying for me to try to go viral, even though I want to just because it's a possibility. So you're wrong, Max. Mm. Mike, you might know me better. Okay, my prediction. First of all, are you single? Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have an idea um, of what might get you busted. Uh, <laughs> Um, that's what uh, yeah well let, yeah let's say the wife hides out with me I feel okay, Alex good, would good. stay by my side yeah that, no no I don't know what do you what okay. do you think would get you caught my downfall for sure would be my competitive side so I can uh, sup- I can suppress anything uh, like work wise because I consider doing all this video work fuck it it's it's too much for me I'm sick of it already but if there was an NBA jam Sega Genesis competition <laughs> down there I'd be like, I'm going to kick these guys' asses. Like, they, they, have, they didn't grow up with the system. And I know for a fact I would win it. And it would be in some <laughs> small paper. And then I would get publicity somehow. And I'd go down. Yeah. As a champ, though. As the champ. As a champ. Yeah. As the champ. <laughs> would be kind of cool. 